0: It's good to be with you today, and uh, uh, my wife would love to be here with me. She's actually on staff at a recovery church. I don't know if any of you have ever been to a recovery church or not, but everyone in there is either on drugs, coming off of drugs, or fixing to start taking drugs. <laughs> and so it's a unique environment that she ministers in, and uh, but I want to say hi to you for her, her sake. Her name is Michelle. We appreciate your prayer. Um, you know, at times when you do stuff for the Lord... You do ministry for the Lord as a, a probably a more religious way to say it. Um, the enemy comes against you. How many of you realize that you don't serve God in a vacuum? If you're trying to accomplish something, and in fact, you are accomplishing something, much as we saw here with the Fire Bible video, where we're coming into a place, uh, I just I hesitate to even throw figures out because figures don't mean a lot to some of us, but, but during that purge that this video talks about, Over 20 million known people ceased to exist in about a five-year period due to those purges and that communist takeover. Let that do the math for you. That's the state of Florida disappeared from untimely deaths and starvation and entrapment in those those death camps. 20 million people. But when you're trying to do something for God, it's not always easy. It's not always simple. It's not always just a program. You give $50 a month and Bubba goes to to Hawaii and and we see this many people get saved. It's not reduced down to that simple formula. It's obedience from the sender, obedience to the goer, and then the harvest field that's ready and ripe. The Holy Spirit shows up and the work happens. But I say all that to just ask a, a very selfish thing. I should have cleared this with Pastor first, but... Hey, (laughs) maybe in two or three years he'll forget and have me back. But um, my wife and I, the Lord gave me a a prayer, but we're going through a a tough time in our home and some other things that the enemy has come against us. Some of you are aware of what cancer does to you and your family and then some other things that are related to that. And God gave us a prayer, and I really felt led to pray this with the congregation. You don't have to repeat it with me, but I'm just going to pray it. This is a ritual prayer That we pray that doesn't get much traction in an assemblies of god or a pentecostal church but there's something to be said for writing a prayer down so you can repeat it and pray the same thing with faith and purpose so i'm going to pray we call this war praise our lord and our savior we acknowledge that you are the owner of all things especially our things this would make a great tithing sermon things are finite not eternal but these are your finite things and we give them again back to you We acknowledge the attack by the enemy of our souls. He wants destruction, distraction, depression, and bitterness to be our life. However, we choose the following. That's what we're going to talk about today is a choice. We choose the following. We will look to you as our source. We will look to you as our protector. We will look to you as our hedge of protection. You will give us back that which the locusts have taken and 10 times as much to be able to share. The enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy, but we say aloud, you came that we may have life and life more abundantly than anything we can ask or think. Can you say amen? Every time the enemy takes or hides or steals, sir, give us 10 times more and watch us give, give to others as a channel of your blessings. That which the enemy means for harm, you will turn to a blessing as we sow with purpose and generosity expecting harvest in hard places. We choose to pray and we choose not to worry. We choose to glorify you when the victory is evident and as well when the battle rages. No matter what, your name shall be praised and exalted in our house at all times. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We worship and proclaim that no weapon formed against us shall prosper because you have already won the battle in your death and your resurrection. We honor and praise you in this house with our lives and with our things. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we declare these things, amen and amen. And I pray that prayer over you today too, amen. That came from the Lord. You know, he taught us how to pray, right? Taught us how to give, taught us how to be believers in an ungodly world, to be in the world but not to be of the world. One of the things that these missions weeks All across the nation in churches, large and small, the one thing that it accomplishes is we get get harvesters into the harvest fields. But another intangible that takes place, Pastor Jeff alluded to it, was he said, I believe the blessing of the Lord is upon us because of our missional focus. That, that what happens incidentally with what we're doing, with our giving, is that God then feels free to open the windows of heaven. Now, I'm, I'm a little different here. I don't believe God pours out of a window. No one pours stuff out of a window. He opens the window so I can see what he has. <laughs> I can see what he has in store. I can see the possibility. I can see the greatness because he opened his window. He lets me look in. He says, and by the way, I will pour out a blessing upon you more than you're able to contain. That's why I I pray a missions prayer. Whenever I get into a missions, in this, the Lord touched my heart in the first service here, Pastor. So for the next year, I'm going to give an extra hundred dollars a month to this church for your missions program. Don't send it back to me because that's kind of circular. I could be on TV with that one, couldn't I? (laughs) I? I just and I'm not bragging. I don't do this. I'm I'm a missionary. I'm not rich. But I felt like the Lord speak to me, if pastor can do it, and if we're asking the people to do it, what about Bubba? <laughs> what are you going to trust God for? And I, my, my flesh instantly came in there, pastor. I, I don't know that I have 100 extra a month. He says, well, there you go. Trust me and see what I'm able to do. If I'm not able to pour out a blessing upon you. So I'm on the hook with you. I'm going to believe God for great things in this next year. And we're going to channel it through this church so that God can get his missionaries into tough, tough places. In the last few years, we've been blessed to work with a ministry called Life Publishers International for, I don't know, 50, 60 years. It was located in Miami, Florida, and eventually moved up to the holy city of Springfield, Missouri, where the the anointing of God resides like a cloud, the Shekinah of God. If you believe that, I got some swamp, I'll say down, why mama? (laughs) No, that just happens to be where we're at. And uh, people ask me, say, what field are you assigned to, Brother Jeff? I live in red, the redneck capital of America, Springfield, Missouri. And, uh, but it's from there that we produce the Fire Bible, also long-term known as the Full Life Study Bible by Don and Linda Stamps, prepared some great, wonderful articles and notes with a, a team. And since then, Life Publishers has internationalized the English in that. And because of your help, Victory, because of your monthly giving and special offerings as pastor Lee's we have been able now to produce this fire Bible in 60 different languages in the world. Can you say amen? That is huge. That's over 2.3 billion people now have access to the study notes in this great Bible in their own heart language. 11 million copies have been printed Paid for, printed, and sent out around the world. If I if I told you all the countries, it'd blow your mind. But you stop don't think about it. It's at least 60 countries, but it's it's hundreds and hundreds of millions of people have been impacted by this great fire Bible. I love the motto of Victory Church where it says it's our mission to know Christ and to to make him known. That's why they'll never back up. Pastor Blackburn, Pastor Sellers, neither one of them feel embarrassed to stand in front of you and say, We're after you for as much missions money as you're willing to commit and believe God for. Why? Because they're not asking for themselves. We're not asking so that we can consume it. The, the old King James, what I grew up with, says, so that we can, can consume it on our own lust. Well, how many of you know lust is kind of put into something in our minds, but lust can be fried chicken, it can be a new bass boat, it can be the shotgun that you've always wanted wanted a remington 1100 with a vented rib and and poly choke on it can anyone say amen it can be something that you wanted you've set your heart on and god says i will bless you and and i add no trouble to it i just believe i serve a god that's big enough i can have the remington 1100 and serve god at the same time you guys need to say amen if you're in that vein but god wants he wants to bless the, the nations of the world he wants to to reach the harvest and we're the tool that's going to make that happen today is part the beginning of the week faith promise week and faith Promise is simply put uh, our attempt to say on a piece of paper so that the leaders can budget for the missionaries for the coming year what we're saying is with god's help and with my faith i commit as god enables me to give this much a week or a month or just a one-time offering to help the cause of international missionary enterprise to reach and bringing the harvest around the world. and Now, some of you are new here today. Some of you don't know, don't even know what the word assemblies of God means. You're just coming to this church because you love the music, you love the people, you love the pastor, you are invited by someone. You don't have any context. Well, let me set that context for you. If you're a believer in any sense of the word, you understand by reading the Bible and its plain English, its plain, simple language. It says, He says it several times. Let me just couple of them allude. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, Jesus says, And this gospel, this good news that missionaries take out, this good news of the gospel shall be preached as a witness into all the world. Not some of the word, world, all of the world. Matthew 28, therefore you go and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. Mark 16, go ye into all the world and preach this gospel to every single creature, every single created being, man, woman, boy, or girl, black and white, yellow, uh, speaking English, not speaking English. Everyone deserves to have it shared with them in their own heart language. People need to know that the kingdom of heaven is coming and it's near at hand. That's the first thing your missionaries do. Uh, they, they may not all be professional. They may not all be uh, understanding of what they're doing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a good example of what a missionary is. Um, if, you, if you want a real missionary, listen to Brother Jeff. He's at the other campus. He studied and he's intelligent. He's all of those things. Uh, he's got the degrees. He's got the leadership potential. I, you know, I took in my whole career of, of educated study, I had two classes in world missions. That's it, just two. It was the same class twice because I failed it the first time around. (laughs) It wouldn't transfer schools. I, I didn't have a clue, but I knew this. I learned to love missionaries not by a book and not by instruction, but by following my father. My dad worked 10, 12 hours a day at a place called National Cash Register, NCR, and there was day there was there was months and months at the time when the work was there, you had to take it. He would work nonstop, seven days a week, ten to twelve hours a day. I watched my old man slug it out, always paid his ties, always went to church, always made a way to bless the house of God out of faithfulness. But then, when there was a missionary, he didn't wait for the pastor to ask him. He Went to the pastor and said, Can he eat with us? And we're just like, Oh no, man, there's not enough to go around as it is. I'm they call me the runt. My brothers and sisters are all bigger than I am. And there was a passel of us. And we have someone home, we were told to wait until the guests filled their plate. How many of you know the, the preachers come and they get the best pieces of chicken right off the top? <laughs> so but I watched my old man do it. I watched him spend his last dime to buy crab legs for a missionary evangelist that came. And when just like, dad, can, can we afford this? He said, no, but that's beside the point. I'm going to bless the man of God and we'll eat whatever's left over. <laughs> so I learned about missions, not from a book and not from being browbeaten by, by guilt-producing missionaries. I learned it from my old man who didn't even graduate from the eighth grade in high school because his dad was a practicing alcoholic and my dad had to quit and go to school and, and help raise his family when he was a kid. And I learned that that which is important, you put first. You lay it out there. You make it happen and then trust God that all the rest is going to come in. The first reason we send out missionaries to all these places on the planet is to let the field, both the demonic forces that are in charge of that field as well as the people that reside there to let them know the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is coming. We went to we went to the field for the first time back in late '91, early '92, and and I didn't know what we were doing. I had two little towhead blonde kids, and my wife wasn't much taller. She still she still claims she's five foot, but the last night she went to the doctor, they said she's four foot eleven, and she rebelled against that. <laughs> I'm five foot more. I said, okay, stand on your tiptoes next time. But all my family, just little bitty, we didn't know what we were doing. We went to the nation of Laos, where where they they kind of stuck out because they were typical blonde haired Blue-eyed Caucasian Americans, and and here I was, six foot two, three hundred and fifty pounds in those days. I had big black beard. I really look weird. The average Lao man, a full-grown man, is five foot one and weighs about 125 pounds soaking wet. So when I walk through the markets, people are just. Wow, look at that guy. <laughs> I had one guy come up too. He had a burning question on his heart, and he, he just he just kept looking at me and looking at me, and he said, because he'd never seen anyone with a beard in his whole life, in his entire life. He looked at me and says, what happened to your face? <laughs> I wanted to tell him. I said, I've had that question lots of times. What happened to your face? So we, we went to a place in northern Laos, where they'd never had a church. There'd never been a Pentecostal outpouring. There'd never been a visitation of the Holy Spirit. To our knowledge, the city we moved into had never had one single Christian ever of any denomination. We're talking about the ends of the world. We went there and people said, what are you going to do? I don't know. How are you going to get it done? I don't know. Can you speak their language? Nope. Are you going to learn? I'm going to try. And it's a difficult language to learn. Five distinct tones or you're saying something wrong. Let me share with you. It's like, uh, like the word my, 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 all five different words. And all that's just like going to a chicken dinner. My, 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 my. You get five tones. It means five totally different words. And, I, and I'm not up here singing on purpose because I can't sing. I'm not really musical, and you have to be musical to learn that language. So I knew God had something else in store. We were in the marketplace one day. We'd been there for about three and a half months, and I was depressed. Anyone ever been depressed here before and willing to admit it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was depressed. Even missionaries, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-anointed, Assembly of God missionaries get depressed. For, for nearly 15 years, I was a missional leader in Southeast Asia, and uh, had the privilege of walking people through times of deep, dark depression. So don't be ashamed of that. God has got an answer for you. God's got a help for you. But I was depressed. Nothing was happening. I couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't preach. I had left a growing church. I had left a promising mission mi- ministry in Dayton, Ohio. And here I was in a town where they actively, weekly told me, we're watching you, you shall not do Christian work. You shall not talk about Jesus Christ. And I'm just thinking, my mind is going. Now, my spirit obeyed and I got my family there, but my mind was thinking, what am I doing here? I'm wasting all my potential. And, uh, and so that kind of thing bothers you. And we'd look out in the morning. Here was a, a guy in a pickle suit, what we used to call the military. He had on his camo fatigues and he had an AK-47 strapped on his shoulder. And, and I'm thought, man, we can't even go out of the house without him watching us. And this soldier here, this, this is true, true, true stuff here. Uh, they don't do it now today, but they used to. And so I walked out of the house and I walked over and told my translator, a man by the name of Viancom to go with me and say whatever I say. And he says, what are you going to say, Mr. Dove? And I said, you just say whatever I'm going to say. He said, he's got a gun. <laughs> I said, I know, but we ain't scared. He said, I'm scared. <laughs> and so I walked over this guy and I did my best to look big and healthy. And I'm looking down at this guy. And, and again, he's got an AK-47 strapped on his shoulder. That's a weapon if you don't know those, that terminology. And I, and I said to my translator, why in the world are you out here? You're scaring my wife and children. And, and causing me to be embarrassed, which in a shame-based culture, you don't ever want to embarrass someone. And It wasn't actually the truth because my wife and kids thought it was pretty cool, and they were taking pictures in the upstairs window of this poor army guy. If you've ever, if you've ever pulled a post in the service, it's the boringest job in the world. And he's standing there with this gun, and so he lets me go on and on, and my translator translates, and he looks around to make sure no one can hear. He says, tell the big guy to relax. They didn't give me any bullets. <laughs> And I thought to myself, isn't that just like the enemy? I go 10,000 miles to the end of the planet, and I'm worried about this guy standing there with a gun in front of my house. God says to me right then, I got this, Jeff, just chill. It's going to be okay. So we go on into the markets, and, uh, and it's that blessed time of the year when all the fly eggs that's ever been laid hatched all at the same time. All them maggots turn to flies instantaneously. And you don't have 100,000 flies or 500,000 flies. You've got millions of flies, especially in the marketplace where they slaughter animals almost, you know, every day of the week. So there's lots of blood and lots of stuff laying around. So flies are everywhere. But that's where we had to go to eat. And so we're in that marketplace at this little restaurant, if you will, and um, we're sitting there trying to eat uh, sing guy, which is chicken noodle soup in Lao language. And we're sitting there eating pho guy, and, and and my kids, were great MKs, great missionary kids. They didn't. They, they by this time they had stopped asking for a new bowl, new bowl of pho when they were when they were had a fly in their soup. They just they were great with toothpick or toothpicks with chopsticks. They could take those flies and flip them out and just keep right on eating. Can you say amen? (laughs) They're just like, he wasn't in there long enough to make it dirty. I'm hungry, man. (laughs) So they're flipping and flies out. But as a dad, I'm sitting here watching this. I left home. I left my church. I left my family. I'm the first one of my generations of the Dove household to ever go do anything crazy like this. And this is my payback. This is one reason I think I felt led to read this prayer this morning. The enemy tries to bring depression, oppression, and to get your focus off of that which we were created to do and to be. And I'm focused on my kids and on my lack of being able to go forward. I'm depressed. So finally, I told us, put your chopsticks down. We're going to the house. Mom brought a jar of Jif peanut butter in her purse from the U.S. We've been saving it. This is the time. Even if we have to dis- lick it off our fingers, we're eating American tonight. So we got up and dad's acting out in public, which is embarrassing to my wife. My kids hadn't seen me get angry like that very often, but I was this close to whipping on somebody, if you know that phrase. And so we're walking walking out of the markets and I'm just, I'm angry at God. I'm angry at the enemy. I don't like the people I'm called to because they're all speaking in tongues 24-7. I don't have a clue. And if you're in some place when everyone's different than you and they're all speaking a different language and you get this paranoid feeling that they're talking about you, it's not paranoia. It's fact. They are talking about you. I found out later on, I thought they were saying, look how handsome he is, how tall and regal and good looking like the elephant striding through the jungle canebrakes." He walks in his greatness. When I learned the language, knowledge is not the best thing. I learned the language. I heard they were saying, "Woo! have you ever seen anyone that fat in your whole life? I wonder how many kilos he eats every week, how much it takes to feed that guy. Wow, and have you smelled him? Wow, he stinks like he eats meat two or three times a week. (laughs) I'm a typical American. If I'm not a vegetarian, I'm eating meat three times a day. So knowledge is not always a great thing, but I'm marching out of this restaurant, going back to the house, and I am this close to quitting, guys. Have you ever been there? I'm this close to just hanging it all up and going home and taking a roofing job i had a friend of mine who wanted me back on his team in construction and and I'm walking out of that market and thousands of people out there and they're all speaking Vietnamese, Hmong, Thai Dung, Thai Dang, Kamu, Lao, different languages all mixed together, kind of like heaven without being saved. <laughs> and I'm walking through this and they're all sitting squatted on the ground or on tables and and I'm walking through that and I'm attitude all over me. My wife and kids are trailing me and and then there's a, a pole that has this loudspeaker on it. It looks like a tornado sound. And at four minutes till six, this thing goes off on a daily basis and sings the news. Well, I had heard from the propagandist was it's news. What I found out later on is they're saying propaganda on that. And that night, it happened to be in the Hmong language. And if you're a Hmong person here, I'm not making fun of your language. I just, I don't know it. I just heard the sound so many times and, and it goes off and it is super loud, right? I'm right close to it. And just just like you just say, Jeff chill chill that's the way it's just it just got on my last nerve and I did something I've never done before or since so it's not a ministerial technique for me it just went I just I curse you in the name of Jesus now how many of you ever done that before I'd never had I'd be worried about being someone around that, that did that on a regular basis wouldn't you and I never even thought about it. It just welled up in my spirit. <laughs> I call it a spiritual thing, but I was just ticked off, and it came out like that. And Not one person in my congregation was saved. <laughs> not one person could come to the altar. Not one person understood a thing I said, but they saw the big, hairy, fat, white guy pointing at that thing that they detested, and saying something loudly, you're not supposed to point in a loud context. It's very impolite. But I did it, and I yelled, and they looked, and as I, as I did that, <laughs> dead as a hammer, <laughs> just as quiet as can be, nobody talking, nobody saying anything and my wife. Now, remember, we're 10,000 miles away from home. Your U.S. passport means nothing. And she looks at me, everyone's quiet and looking at She said, Jeffrey, what did you do? I said, I don't know, baby, but it felt good. <laughs> if I die, I want to die a happy man. <laughs> and my kids were just high-fiving. You know, Matt was 11, Mandy was 9. That, that's a great age. They're just, Dad, that was so cool. They thought I'd planned it. <laughs> and uh, just that was just, oh, that was great. And so we get back to the house and we're having devotions. We didn't have electricity, so we lit the lamps and we're we're having devotions here, and I'm trying to explain to them that it was probably just a rat that at the right time chewed the Romex that went up the concrete pole that lit up the loudspeaker and so it was probably just a rat and it was fun and it was cool but and Matt says oh no dad <laughs> you're not taking that away from us you told us when we left home that if we would obey God would show up and that was God I know it in my heart that was God daddy and I said well yeah oh, okay here's this levy year old kid schooling his old man. That was God. And then he got this theological bend. He says, you know, God provided a great fish for Jonah. Maybe God made a rat for you. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Never forget it. In the marketplace that day, unbeknownst to me, was a young lady by the name of Somjan Kompilawong. You say that name three times and you'll get the Holy Ghost. Somjan Kompilawong who had been trained in the old Soviet Union back when it was still, still together as to be a teacher and to be an educator. And of course they filled her full of propaganda while she was there. But she was in the market that day and saw and witnessed what happened and her curiosity got the best of her because she's been one of the very few that traveled anywhere. And she said, I'd be willing to teach you how to speak Lao if you would come and sit in my restaurant in front of everyone, but I didn't know she was charging people to watch me learn Lao. (laughs) You can be a communist and be a very good capitalist at the same time. So she was making money off the missionaries in a communist country, but she began to teach me Lao and she had a vested interest in teaching me because she said, I knew that unless you could speak my heart language, you could never explain to me what happened in the market why we send missionaries and put them out that we don't we do teams and teams have great value we do go build churches we do go drill water wells we do short-term stuff and i thank god for every team that's ever gone but there's something special about sending a family or an individual into a place and they bury themselves in the culture they learn the language they learn the country they eat the food they're with the people when they're well and when they're sick she wanted to know eventually the time came when the communist government caught up with us and kicked us out of that country. But just before we left, we had the privilege of leading John to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And she said to me these words, and it stuck with me as a missional leader ever since. She said, Jeffrey, I'm not qualified to be a pastor according to what I read in scripture. She said, I don't have the education. I'm the wrong gender. That was her thinking, not mine. She said, but if you'll do this for me, if you'll remember me and make materials in my language, I will study them and I will read them and I will plant the church and I will pray for the sick and I will lead people to Jesus Christ. I will do that if you'll help me. What I didn't know, fast forward some eight, nine years later, this is the serendipitous move of the Holy Spirit. I never would have gone to win one person for Christ. I never would have left home. It just didn't seem like a good metric. But we went and one got saved in that city. Years down the road, this individual, educated, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, was the editor of the Full Life Study Bible, also known as the Fire Bible, in the language of Lao people for that entire country. I want you to know God takes that which we sacrifice, whether it's money, time, talent, energy, whatever it is God calls us to sacrifice, he will take it and he will bless it. One of my favorite stories is the, the little boy with the loaves and bread, the loaves and the fishes. And I just can't, I can't imagine those disciples taking this and saying, boom, there it is. Boom, there it is. And he forced them to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Most people estimate that at 12,000 people from one kid that was obedient. One kid was obedient and God added his miracle working power. In closing, let me just, let me just encourage you in your faith response today. You've done great. In a pandemic year, they didn't drop one missionary. The church didn't drop one, one project. The church was fruitful and grew and finances were off the chain. We're thankful for that. That was because God's people stayed focused and stayed anointed and lasered in on the harvest. But God's going to ask you to do even more this year. In a tough, tough time, he's asking us to sacrifice even more there was a little kid not some far distant country but up in the city of watchula florida on a sunday morning his daddy was a children's pastor and he he shared with him he said uh today we're not just going to take up the change in that little plastic buddy barrel for missionaries we're going to ask each of you little guys to make a faith promise he says i want you to pray and tell god what you want to do and then we'll see what happens So this little guy, 11 years of age, bowed his head and prayed a prayer, filled out his card and gave it to his dad. And his dad went home, kicked up, watching football, flipping through these cards. And Johnny pledged five and Susie pledged 12. Another guy pledged 20. He says, wow, that's a good one, man, 20 bucks for BGMC. And he gets through and he flips up this one and he says, (laughs) $11,000. He says, who would do that? He looked down and it's his son. $11,000, so he calls his boy into the room and and he says, son, what are you thinking by writing this? He says, I wasn't thinking at all. I just prayed and told God, I think it would be really cool, Jesus. Don't you wish you could pray that way to your your elder brother, Jesus Christ, and the Father? I think it would be really cool, Jesus, if me and you together could do $1,000 for every year I've been alive. Some of us, that would be a lot of money, wouldn't it? $1,000 for every year I've been alive. And he said, Dad, I I felt like he said it was okay, so I wrote it down. He said, well, you know, it has to be practical. It has to be budgetable. You have to know. He says, no, you didn't say any of that. You said pray and tell God what you want to do. And if he'd help you, and so he prayed his want to. I want to do this for you, Lord. So he says, okay, what did you and Jesus decide? How are you going to get this money? He says, well, uh, he just said, you only gave me one buddy barrel. <laughs> I think back, of course, the little kid didn't think about it. I the lady with the, he said, go and ask for the vessels from all your neighbors. He said, one buddy barrel won't get it, dad. I need a whole box. So he gave him 48 little plastic tubs and he gave them to both of the grandparents on both sides of the family, he gave it to the pastor, his wife, all the deacons, the school bus driver, the principal. He went to his dad, took him to the fire department, the police department. He told everyone he gave it to, I will come once a month to see how much you love Jesus. Do your best. <laughs> the end of the year came and they had to wheel this little shaver's offering in in a hand truck, a dolly, we call them in some places, because this can was so full. $17,000 that little guy had brought into the kingdom by his faith, his audacity, and by praying what he really wanted to do. So when you begin to pray over your faith promise, don't ask God what he wants you to do. How many of you know God's not gonna tell you 20 or 30 or 50, he's just not gonna do it? Here's a, a, a father who gave his only begotten son. He bankrupted heaven so that I could come to saving grace. So when I bow my head on a missional thing, I say, God, this is what I did last year. This is what I really think would be cool this year. You think we can do it, Jesus? Let's do it. And I put my name down, I sign it, and I go. And that's the way I want you to pray today. This is what I really want to do, Lord. The harvest is ripe. The workers are few. I'm going to make a difference, Lord, if you'll help me, if you'll help me. Father, you're walking among us today. I sense your presence, Lord. If you're calling someone to full-time missionary enterprise, Lord, make it clear. Speak to them. Speak to their heart because there are still thousands of places like Ponsawang, where we lived our first two years. Not one Christian, not one church, not one witness. They're waiting for someone to come and learn their language and eat their food and be sick with them, Lord, and, and tell them the gospel in an incarnational setting. The Father, for the rest of us, as we pour out our hearts to you in faith, increase our want to, Lord, not just for the things of this earth, but for your harvest, Lord. Help us to rise to that level of greatness, Lord to see awesome things happen this next year. So not just that the needs are met, but that they can bring on new missionaries and enter into new places and reach some of these 6,500 plus people groups that have never had one adequate witness in their language yet. Harvest is white. It's ready to come in, Lord. We just got to get there in time. So help your people. I pray it, sir, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Would
1: you say thank you to Jeff Dove. Great job. We only have a few more minutes left in the service, and I want you to hang in here with me until the final prayer. Here's what I want you to do right now. When you came in today, you should have received an envelope, and in that envelope is a card. We're going to all do this together. I want you to reach into that envelope. I want you to take out that card, and if you somehow were missed and you don't have a card or you have a card and you need a pen, here's what I want you to do. Our ushers are standing ready to help right now. And uh, if you need a card or a pen or both, just lift your hand and keep it up until they get it to you. And I see several hands and they'll be sure to bring your card. You just let them know what you need. Those of you that are watching online right now, we've got a lot of our church family. that are not quite yet able because of health reasons to be back with us. And they're a part of this service every week. And I know that those of you that are watching online, you don't have a tangible card, but you can do this right there at home. And you can let us know now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead, if you're prepared today, to make a missionary faith promise. See, a lot of you are like me. You've done this many, many times before, and you know that we're going to do it in our conference. So you're already emotionally, spiritually, uh, mentally prepared to make a faith promise. And if you're ready to do that today, I want you to go ahead and do that today. If you're not able to do that today, you're like, hey, I'd like to talk to my family about it. I want to think about it a little bit more, pray about it. I'll do a missionary faith promise next week. Well, that's quite all right. If you're ready today, why hesitate? Go ahead and do so today. Now, I want to real quickly speak to two different groups. I want to speak to those of you that have been given admissions for a long, long time. Again, this is normal to you as driving to church this morning. If you've done this before, I'm going to ask you to do this again in the year of 2021, between now and the final Sunday of 2021. And we'll complete the card in just a moment. If you've been given to missions already, I'm going to ask you to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to give more by the grace of God, and faith tells me to step out and trust God more. I will give more to missions in uh, 2021 than ever before. I believe that by faith. I believe God will enable me. I want to do that, and I believe that God will enable me to do that. So the first group is those of you that have been given to missions regularly, year after year. I'm going to ask you to do that again But would you do like me and just do a little bit more, whatever God is leading you to do, whatever it is that you want to do? Now, there's another group of people you've never, never done this before. It's like, this is brand new. And you're like, oh, man. And here's what I believe. I believe that if you express faith and you, like Jeff said, and it was so powerful, that what we want to give, and there's so many things. You know what? In America, we basically do what we want to do. You and I spend money on what we want to spend money on. We do. We find the time to do what we want to do. We find the money to do what we want to do. And you may have never given to missions ever before, but I want to challenge you to do so this year. And you just complete this card and you just say, I believe that by faith, just like the card says, as God enables me, I will help take the message of Jesus Christ into all the world by giving through the missions program of Victory Church. And a lot of people do this monthly, and you see that on your card monthly. Uh, I'll give weekly or monthly because a lot of us budget monthly. It's easier to do. And you would just check monthly, and then you would just write in that amount what you believe God will enable you to do. Here's the cool thing about a faith promise. If God doesn't give it to you, you're off the hook. But if you step out and believe and you really want to do it, I believe God will make that a reality. And so you just check monthly and whatever that amount is monthly, $50 a month or $100 a month or 200 or 500000 whatever it is, whatever. No amount is too small. No amount is too big. It's just all of us doing something. And then you just print your information on there, and you can put it right back in the envelope. And when you etch it in just a few moments, there'll be ushers standing with the buckets like they do every week, and you'll just drop that in. So if you're prepared to do that today, Maybe never given admissions before, but you start. I started this. There's a lot of regrets I've had about some stupid things I've done in my life, but I never regretted that I started giving admissions when I was a teenager. And each year, try to do a little bit more. And so if you're prepared to do it today, go ahead and make your admissions faith promise today. If you need until next Sunday, take the card home, pray about it, think about it. Come prepared to give next week. See, this is what I know. God loves the whole world. Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish, no matter where they live, no matter what language they speak, where they live, what they eat, what they do. God doesn't want anybody to be lost. And you and I have been blessed with so much. You just think about how you and I are blessed, and we would share with others so that they could know Jesus, His forgiveness and His love and His grace, and one day have an eternal seat in heaven with God. So I want to thank you in advance for your faith. I want to thank you in advance for your obedience and for your giving. And uh, let's go ahead and stand uh, by now. Hopefully you've had a chance to complete your card. Thank you for being here. Hey, don't miss next week uh, another great missionary who also is a dear friend of my missionary friend, Uncle Ron. Ron managed to be with us next week, and you're going to love that. hope you'll be back for that. Thank you for being with us today. And don't forget, if your card's ready, go ahead and drop it in today. And let's just pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. And we've been so blessed. God, when we think about what we spend money on every month, what we think, Lord, when we spend money, what we spend on cell phones and what we spend on cable, what we spend, uh, Lord, on just have the right radio stations in our vehicle, what we spend on insurance, what we spend in so many different areas, cars. God, uh, I thank you that you've put it in our heart to be generous because we want the whole world to hear about your love and your grace and for them to be in heaven with us one day. So thank you for the obedience of your people, the generosity of your people. And thank you, God, that where much has been given, much is also required. And we bless your name today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, would you let Jeff know one more time how much you appreciated the message today? Let him know. Hey, God bless you, everybody. I love you. I'll see you right back here next Sunday.